0: Hi everyone. Last week we debuted a new intro song. Shortly after that, my good friend Barrymore Scott sent me a note that mentioned how I had used the same music as his podcast. Coming up next time. My apologies, Barrymore. I suppose that's why it sounded familiar to me. We have new music again this week, and I hope you all like it. Jen disliked our original music, by the way, so that's why we changed it. I might sound a bit funny because I am sick. I have a sore throat and a runny nose but that is enough to push me into isolation while waiting for my COVID test results. My nose is stuffed up, and I think that is affecting my voice. Other than that, I feel great. I've been isolating by myself all of five hours, and I am already getting bored. Oh boy, this week's episode is a great one. While talking about psychopaths a while back, we realized that we didn't know what a psychopath is, and it turns out that a lot of people don't know. We went looking for an expert, and we were very fortunate to find... Dr. Jan Canty. Dr. Jan Canty is the host of the Domino Effect of Murder podcast, which talks about the survivors of murder. She is the author of the book A Life Divided, her memoir where she shares the story of the murder and dismemberment of her husband, Dr. Al Canty, in 1985 by a man who was a psychopath. Jan is also a clinical psychologist who earned her PhD before her husband's death. She is an amazing woman with some fantastic insight on the subject. I hope you enjoy this episode. If you do, please help us spread the word by rating and subscribing to the podcast. You can also follow us on Facebook and check us out on com. We're all in this together and we could really use your support. Now, let's play that new music.
1: Welcome to the Loosen Conversational podcast.
0: Jen and I are like so giddy about yeah, this because yeah. we both read the book.
2: Yeah. Read the book. Obviously, we're very interested in psychopaths.
0: And I'm just going to say it. And I hope strong language doesn't bother you. Holy shit. There were certain, there were certain parts of that book. No. Yeah. Like I, I listened to a podcast that you were on and I kind of knew what I was getting into. No. Holy moly. Yeah. Like you did a really good job of turning a horrible <laughs> experience, putting it on paper. But and... I think
2: there was educational pieces that you could take away from it. Like I, I
1: learned a lot
0: reading it as well.
1: I was trying to write it so that people could feel like they were in my shoes. Oh my gosh. Oh yeah, yeah. Go ahead. And and
0: you did it really, really well.
1: People aren't clamoring to talk to people like me. <laughs> really they're not.
0: Really? <laughs> oh, really? I would think it would be the other way around. Yeah.
1: No, it's like I don't want to be triggered by that. And and people are sometimes are so sensitive, it's like, well, I'm sorry. It's it is what it is, you know.
0: It is, yeah. yeah. I never thought about that. I thought with how popular true crime is. Yeah. yeah.
1: But it's not this kind of true crime. When you think about true crime, it's mostly the the perpetrator and what they do. That's it.
0: But this almost seems like it would be like we're like freebasing true crime here, right? Like it's like really hardcore true People crime. People
1: don't care about it. They don't. they don't. They don't want to know the aftermath. They don't.
0: Just before I started reading your book, I read another book called Deadmonton. Or I, I read half of it and it's all about... Edmonton, uh, how yeah.
3: dull our city
0: is! No, it, no, it's about it's, it's about, it's about that. murders that have happened in yeah. Edmonton, and I got to one case, and after I finished reading it, I set the book down, and I'm like, okay, I'm done with that because <laughs> I'm not a true crime kind of person.
1: Uh-huh. Me neither, <laughs> ordinarily. <laughs> yeah,
0: normally. Oh, that's interesting. So, do you listen to a lot of true crime, jet?
1: Now I do. I didn't. I didn't for many, many years. But a lot of it turns me off, especially if they make humor out of it. Wow. Oh, of course. Yeah, yeah.
0: that's actually that's a really good point. Do you feel that true crime takes advantage of victims?
1: Mm-hmm. Yes, if they give them any thought. It does. Yeah. So what what is the fascination with it for people like me? Well, if you look at the research, here I go again, I, I hate to sound like a no, nerd. No, no, like a no, nerd. Just, no. Just but, keep talking. But uh, if you look at the research on who is drawn to true crime, what it shows again and again is ordinarily the sweet spot of true crime audiences are females between the ages of about 28 to 50. Yeah, and yes. the research that's been done on it has shown that it's because many of them want to get in the mind of the perpetrator and the situation so that they can be safe.
2: Interesting. interesting
0: so they could be safe that's interesting It's
2: interesting because i've got one sister who i've got. well i've got a lot of sisters but feel free
0: to talk into the mic there jen
2: i am i don't know why it's okay. not connecting Turn it i can yet. hear you jen Thank you. Uh, I've got two, two sisters, main sisters in my life. And uh, one uh, one is like me, who's very obsessed with true crime. And she's to the point where when she moved into her new townhouse, she had somebody check the attic, you know, just to make sure that's right, nobody right. living out there. And then my other sister, who is like dead set against watching it. Like she doesn't want to have anything to do with it because she doesn't want to be frightened or to, you know, she almost kind of wants to live in sort of, I guess, I don't know if ignorance is the right word, but, um, you know, like just sort of detached from that side of life, which I mean, statistically isn't, you know, a huge part of our life. But yeah, I think. You know, otherwise it's about, yeah, Yeah. I guess, information, right?
1: Well, you know, yeah, because it's not even playing field out there. Women are more vulnerable to crime than men. And we're not as physically, on average, as strong as men. And so there's a need for information. Hmm. So, yeah. I mean, I I educated my daughters early on stuff. You know, we talked about raper vans and this and that. yeah. And, uh, but then their mother was murdered. I adopted them. So their mother yeah. was murdered and that's how I got them. And so we've oh both been God. been touched by it. So we're kind of sensitive to crime issues. Wow. You're a brave lady. Well, you know, what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. Makes you stronger. <laughs> and, yeah. uh, you know, I, I'll, I'll get into this later, but I have real reasons to be strong and mm-hmm. not everybody mm-hmm. copes the same.
2: No, that's true. How old were your daughters what? when you adopted them? I don't think you said in the book.
1: They were four and a half and almost six. And they were in foster care. They had real sketchy information. How old are they now? They're um, 29 and 32. My babies are grown. They're way taller than me. And (laughs) I'm a grandma now. In fact, I just got done babysitting my granddaughter uh, a couple hours ago. She just had brain surgery. So she has to be handled delicately. Oh, wow. She had brain stem surgery in uh, December and again in January. Wow. So it's kind of a lot, you know. So I give my daughter a break once in a while. Uh, She was born with it. And uh, she kept getting sicker and sicker. And she wasn't being diagnosed and she started stumbling and she was lethargic. And finally, my daughter just took her to the best children's hospital in our area and they did an MRI and diagnosed her on the spot. This was late the day before Thanksgiving and it was so serious. They called the surgeon in Thanksgiving morning to do the surgery. Oh my God. And then she had complications and we went back in January, but she's doing better. But my daughter's a good mom. What's her name? Elise. What's your granddaughter's name? My baby. Her name is Adeline, but we call her Addie. (laughs) She's cute as a button. Of course, doesn't that sound typical? (laughs) But she is. 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 You're
2: a grandma. Yeah, (laughs) that's okay. That's okay. I would expect nothing less. So David and I took a, not to change the subject, but I guess we'll get into it here. But uh, David and I took a psycho, what was it? What was it?
0: I don't know. It's some online psychopathy (laughs) test.
2: So I guess, first of all, how accurate do you think they are?
0: Depends
1: on which one and how honest you are as you approach it.
2: Well, David scored 94%. Yeah, and I I traditionally score
0: really high in these. And I also score really low in empathy tests. Ah. So that's how we started talking about this in the first place was what it meant if you were a psychopath. And then to be honest, we sort of went around the room. It was on a podcast. We were talking about it. We don't even know what a psychopath is. And we would, of course, automatically do what everybody is now. We Googled it and you find tons of different things. And there's this trend now to call everything, someone's yeah. either a psychopath or they're a Narciss- sociopath or they're a narcissist.
2: And they seem to be like like buzzwords now, right? Like it's like almost right. every time you talk about somebody, it's like, oh, he's a narcissist or he's a psycho. You know, like it just, it seems more like a buzzword now than it mm-hmm. does like an actual... You know, diagnosis or an yeah. actual,
0: and I would never murder and dismember somebody. Like no matter what a test said, like I'm not, <laughs> I'm not even close to being like
2: that, right? Well, I guess that's the question, was because I know that psychopaths can exist in society in a quote unquote normal way. Not all of them become murderous, no. you know, human beings. So, yeah. you know, what circumstances? tend statistically to lead.
0: Or to start with, what is a psychopath? Is it a thing? Is it a real thing?
1: A psychopath and sociopath are kind of pop psych words. They're not true Mm -hmm. diagnoses. But uh, there is psychopaths are about 1% of the population and they are 15 to 1 ratio. They're men. I think there's more women sociopaths than men. Not all of them are violent. That's true. About yeah. 50% of violent crime um, is committed by so- psychopaths. And about 35% of the general prison population is psychopathic.
0: Is that... Sorry, I don't mean to cut you off. Go ahead. And I'll say that 10,000 times in this podcast. <laughs> it, is the prison population higher in psychopaths? Because especially in the United States, prison, people in prison are more likely to be tested to see if they're psychopaths? No, I think it's no?
1: because of what their behavior that is that gets them there. Okay, so they've been caught and so yes. they're in jail and now. In fact, if you look at psychopaths and sociopaths, generally speaking, as they age, they don't tend to end up in good places. They end up divorced, or they end up incarcerated, they end up alone, they end up miserable.
0: Running hotels? I
2: was going to say that's three. That's that's three words described,
1: David. No, there.
0: one of them. <laughs>
1: <laughs> to get back to your earlier point, David, about yeah. I couldn't kill anybody. I personally think everybody's capable of, of murder. I
2: literally just said that she under did. the right circumstances, she in the right did. Like, relationship. I think everybody's capable. I of do. It.
1: If anybody yeah. harmed my children when they were little, if they were, if their lives were in danger, and I had the capability to handle it, I would have. I'm like a mother lion when well, it what if you comes to don't my have daughters. children. Nobody's going to harm them. I think anybody's capable. If it's your life or somebody else's, somebody's in your bedroom at 2 a.m. and they don't belong there. Self defense. Yeah. Yeah. Like, uh, that's, that's right. There's usually
0: somebody in my bedroom at 2 a.m.
2: though. (laughs) She's still alive to this (laughs) day, and I
0: often often consider killing her.
2: No, but I I think as if you're in a toxic relationship, I think two people can be. That's like, like I. That's my biggest pet peeve. People like, oh well, in my relationship, he was fine. It's like, but it's not necessarily in your relationship, right? Like, I think two people can bring out the worst in each other and create a toxic environment that can lead to.
1: Sure, but that's when you leave. Instead of killing us, yes.
2: I mean, you know, nine well, it out of wouldn't 10, be toxic
1: sure. if you left, would it
0: be? Jan? no, some
2: people like toxic relationships, they do, they, yeah. do. they like
0: drama. Yeah. Right. yeah, you see, the upside of a toxic relationship is no, just kidding, never
2: a dull moment. Uh, yeah. yeah,
0: so what how do you define okay so no, let, let me ask us what's the difference
2: between a sociopath well,
0: I was going to say if if a psychopath and a sociopath is like a
2: who would win a fight
0: pops no it's like a pops <laughs> I thing. what is the real term like what is somebody who is referred to as a psychopath what is it
1: um the formal term what you're talking about is antisocial personality disorder but Oh. The difference between psychopaths and sociopaths are many, I think. And remember, there this is on a continuum. It's not black and white. It's its like they have, have a multitude of behaviors to qualify, not just one or two. But uh, I was trying to think of, to begin with, to think about movies or portrayals of it that might people might be familiar with that might give them an idea before I go into the ac- actual criteria. Mm-hmm. If we are talking about psychopaths, it's you can think of it as a disorder of social hiding because they're really good at fading in and blending in and hiding what they're. One of the best portrayals of a true psychopath, I don't know if you've seen the movie, it was out in 2007. It's starring Anton Chigurh, and it was No Country for Old Men. Oh, oh yeah, yes. Oh, saw that.
0: Yeah. Just rewatched it a few weeks ago. Yeah,
1: he's a very accurate portrayal. A little bit more of a Hollywood version would be James Bond. Oh, really? Yep. Uh, Another one would be Wall Street with Michael Douglas. It was was back in 1987. He's the one that made that comment in the movie, you know, greed is good. He's like a Wall Street investor. Those are actual pretty decent portrayals as opposed to sociopaths. I was trying to think of portrayals. Uh, One is the TV series called Just Call Saul. It's oh, a spin yes. Off.
0: Better Call Saul. Better Call Saul,
1: yeah. Better Call Saul, right. Yeah, that yeah. one, Dirty Rotten Scoundrel with Michael Caine.
0: Oh, that's a great movie.
1: <laughs> Focus with Will Smith. Now we can see why he scores 94. Yeah. <laughs> percent And Catch oh, Me If You movie. Can. You can oh, see yes. that
0: when you the, did you
1: did you feel the difference in how your visceral reaction was to those two groups? With the first one, it's kind of like, ooh, they're kind yeah. of hands off, kind of like, I wouldn't want to be in a dark alley with them. And yeah. the other group, they're kind of, you know, they're taking you for a ride, but they're likable.
2: Yeah. You're enjoying the ride to some right. extent. Yeah. Right.
1: And that's because the word sociopath implies it. it. It means more social.
2: Right.
0: So in Better Call Saul, the main character's a sociopath? Yeah. The, hmm, the attorney. Cool. Sociopath. Interesting.
2: Yeah. I've watched that.
1: So if we're going to go into the more details of what the behaviors are, Generally speaking, we think that with psychopaths, there is a more of a genetic predisposition and actual brain differences that okay. are irrefutable and you can't change them. As opposed to sociopaths, it's more environmental. The so what diff- was Donald Trump? <laughs> oh, he's a narcissist. Oh,
2: he is a narcissist. <laughs> oh, my
1: God. That's
0: a different podcast. I mean, that's what I would say, too. Uh,
2: you know, He's expert so opinions. sickening. So are narcissists, do they tend to follow? No, we're into- not
0: talking about narcissists. No, no, let
2: me ask my question. All right. Do narcissists tend to circle back into psychopath or sociopath or are they just completely different
1: there's an overlap but they don't change that's one of the actual not about nine to twelve different kinds of personality disorders one of which is antisocial one yeah. of which is narcissist then there's borderline and other ones and the point of them of all of them that makes them in a group is that they do not change no matter what hmm. they're like huh. cement nothing will change them that? For the better or for worse. So there's, so there's no-, no hope for David, is what you're saying.
2: <laughs> there's no rehabilitation. So when you <laughs> put these people in the prison system, there's no rehabilitation. No, for No, none, people. zero, zero. Wow,
0: nada. But according to Jan's description, I'd be more of a sociopath. We well, yes,
2: haven't even
1: sure. gone into it yet.
0: Okay, excellent. well let's get into That's it. Let's get okay, into it,
2: yeah. I mean, he's definitely one of them. We just have to figure out which
0: one. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. I don't think I am. I.
2: Okay. I, I don't had, think so. I, I
0: had a rough childhood, and he I doesn't I don't have, have much empathy.
2: empathy. You have no empathy.
1: I disagree.
2: I don't.
0: Well, let's let Jan talk.
1: <laughs> well, the, one of the criteria is how much conscious does this person have? When you're talking about psychopaths, they have none. When you're talking about sociopaths, it's weak, but they have some sense of conscious, maybe short-lived. Hmm. Like they, you know, they've their guilt is short-lived, but they have an inkling of it. Whereas with the psychopath, there's no guilt, no remorse. If you were to hook them up to an MRI and look at their brain, you'd see no activity in that area of the brain. Um they are, psychopaths are more of an interspecies predator. You can think of them oh. that way. And so they're very, if you think about a predator, you know, they're they're patient, they plan, they enjoy the planning, mm-hmm. whereas a sociopath is more impulsive, agitated, and restless. Interesting. Both of them, psychopaths and sociopaths, do find their way into normal society. You're not going to find them just behind bars. So if you're thinking about jobs, psychopaths will be more found in cartels, mm-hmm. in special forces. Big TV personalities and stockbrokers, whereas uh, sociopaths, you'd find more of them with disbarred lawyers, false prophets, card sharks, gamblers, imposters crooked politicians you can see they're more out in the forefront they're they're more interactive socially yeah. they're not behind the scenes like a marionette working people because psychopaths are calculating and patient they are harder to track down because they're not out in the forefront in your face and uh, sociopaths are more often caught because they are care- they get careless and sociopaths prefer to be alone. I mean, they may be in relationships, but like, think about James Bond and his relationships. You know, it's here today, gone tomorrow. That's the duration right. of their, quote, relationships. Whereas sociopaths can be in them for quite some time, so long as the person has value to them. Uh, the, oh. Probably the most dangerous combination is if you have a, a psychopath who has a high IQ and a great deal of anger. They don't all have both. But when they have <laughs> Jen both, it's pointed out. good. That's not good. There is different etiology for it. As I said a while ago, sociopaths are more environmentally, we believe, whereas psychopaths actually, There's now that we have MRIs and other kinds of uh, technology, we can actually see differences in their brains if you study them. And I don't know how much you're interested in that, but there's three basic areas. Oh, we're pretty this. interested. Yeah. Are. Okay. Well, there's three basic areas of the brain that are differences in the psychopath from the normal population. One is right in the Plunk middle of the brain, there's an area that's almond shaped and it's called have yeah, two, it's called the amygdala. There's one on each hemisphere. And the way you can think about it, it's like the um, emotional control tower of the brain. And if you think about you know if you go into a doctor's office and you see that pain chart from one extreme to the other, they're always bland. They're always under responding. They're, they're not excitable. they're not feeling intense pain. They're just sort of blah all the time. It takes a great deal to get them to react, which is why they do what they do, because they don't they don't get stimulated very easily. I mean, they'll might get off on murder, but not watching a movie, because <laughs> huh. that, that's too boring. If you hook them up and a normal person up to an electric shock with a timer and a countdown and you tell the person, okay, in eight seconds, you're going to get shocked, in six seconds, four seconds, Two seconds, the person in the normal brain, and you can see this with the MRI, will start to respond, and they might get sweaty. Their heart rate goes up because they know they're going to get shocked, and they do. Whereas the psychopath ha- has no reaction whatsoever.
2: Can a psychopath pa- pass a lie detector test? Like, are they able to?
1: Absolutely,
2: they can't. That's
1: exactly why they're useless. Interesting. That's why hmm. they can't be held yep. up in a
2: court of law. That's right, really?
1: because they have because the whole purpose behind lie detector tests is it's based on the galvanic skin response of sweat yeah right people and, and their blood heart pressure, rate. yeah, yeah, and it doesn 't react, they don 't react, and some people even know to circumvent it by taking drugs or drinking before they get hooked up, and that lowers yeah. their reactivity as well
0: that 's a good tip
1: <laughs> never <laughs> mi- you never know you might need that <laughs> yeah. so the amygdala is one area, the other one is the ventromedial prefrontal cortex that 's just um, above your eyes, and it 's the social hub of the brain, and there 's actually cells in there they 're really cool they 're called the mirroring. M-I-R-R are mirroring cells that activate, maybe I don't know about you, David, but in most people, they activate when they're empathetic. When you're interacting in a social situation, or it could even, doesn't even need to be a human. It could be a dog or a cat. And if you see a dog injured, a normal brain will have mirroring cells and they connect with the logic and they understand what that animal's going through, even though there's no speech involved. They know the animal's in pain or scared or both. Well, in the psychopath, there are not only fewer mirroring ring cells, but they do not connect to the decision-making parts of the brain. So they don't tune into empathy, let alone do anything about it.
0: Oh, that's interesting.
1: And then the third area is called the orbital frontal cortex, which is uh, like near your forehead. And that's the decisions where we make right and wrong decisions. It's like our conscious, I guess you could say it that way, wherein most of us, if it's an impersonal situation, there's you're not going to see any differences in how it responds. So if you're making a, a bank investment, that's a pretty impersonal situation. But if you're going to be, if you've just gotten in a car accident and you've injured somebody, you're going to see an activation of the frontal cor- cortex and you're going to start making decisions based on that, whereas the psychopath won't. It, it there's no activity. It doesn't arouse that part of the brain. There's no decision to be made. You just get out of there, pure pure and single. Are these genetic things? What we think it is, they think it's a genetic predisposition. So it takes the right genes plus the right environment, and that's what you get. And think of it this way. If you are predisposed to, because of your family genetics, if you're predisposed to a heart ailment, but you eat healthy, you run mm-hmm. marathons, you mm-hmm. maintain your weight, you're never going to have a heart problem, even though you have the genetic predisposition okay. towards that. But if you do the opposite, you're more likely to succumb to heart mm-hmm. problems mm-hmm. than the average guy because, or woman because you have the genetic predisposition. So it creates a vulnerability towards that, a, a more likelihood mm-hmm. of
2: it. And so- why do you think it's predominantly men?
1: I think it's partly the socialization process. We encourage that in men. We don't encourage it in women. I think that's why we get more sociopaths for women.
3: Hmm. This is fascinating. Yeah, Yeah, I know.
0: I got so many questions. So you're genetically predisposed um, towards this and you wanted to raise a psychopath or (laughs) not that you'd want to raise one. But I guess what kind of environment would somebody be brought up in?
1: The ideal situation would be institutionalized care like foster care Mm -hmm. or multiple foster home situations, orphanages. Living on mean streets with a lot of danger and gangs and violence—that would help produce it. Because you're taught early not to care. You're taught early it's survival. Not yeah, get it creates. It, does
0: it create a disassociation? Wow. Yeah.
1: Not necessarily. They're just indifferent. Huh. If you disassociate, that's extreme anxiety. That's when you can't handle what's going on, and so you just blank out. But this is more like oh, great. Oh, whatever. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I was happy with what was going on. <laughs> I think we just now,
3: identified. Yeah, now we've got anxiety and problem. Into it. <laughs> Suppressed anxiety. Yeah, yeah,
0: that's okay. I'm fine. <laughs>
1: to get back to their developmental risk factors. If you have a child who has been over-disciplined, they're very, whoever the parents might be or foster parents might be, they're very uh, critical, very harsh, disciplinarians, abusive, that is a factor, as well as the other extreme, where the kids do whatever they want and go in and out and, and mouth off to anybody that they want to mouth off to, especially if that same child was has witnessed violence, extreme violence. Like the Night Stalker, for example, was raised where he saw his brother-in-law murder his wife at what a you young age, well. and that made a big impact on him. Yeah, huge impact. I did a series of readings uh, back-to-back one summer on serial murderers, and I wanted to find out what is the common denominator in their histories, and I read about five books. And what I found that I thought, this is like Bundy and, and some of the other ones, what I found that was a common denominator that I don't read much about, but it was in the books of their histories, is they all were faced with a big lie growing up. In Bundy's case, for example, he was not certain who his mother was
2: okay for a
1: while so there's always some kind of big lie, and these kids are not raised to have good self-esteem they're socially awkward they um are alone a lot of the time and then they start getting angry because of their treatment and they start taking it out on animals and setting fires mm-hmm. and
2: so they have this big lie that they then discover is a lie like is that yes. sort of a trigger at okay. some
1: point they kind of sniff it out and realize the lie, what the lie is yeah
2: gotcha
0: Sorry, I don't mean to be rude. I'm not, uh, ignoring you. Look like at my phone. I'm trying to, I have to answer a text. I've been wondering where our server is. Okay. And then I just realized I got a task. When do you need your next round of drinks? I okay. said 420. Yeah. From 10 minutes ago. Well, not me. No. All right. Not
1: me. You don't deliver to Squim, right?
0: Uh, no. uh i oh could i God. could ask <laughs> did, did you have-
1: we
2: have no international flights we can't uh, get okay. over there yeah. <laughs> we, no we, we do to the states
0: there's the yeah, internet we can it'll begin- take a while yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> how far are you how, how are you how far are you from vancouver
3: yeah, <laughs> yeah. pretty far <laughs>
2: yeah okay well then
3: <laughs> so we, we we don't allow
2: anyone else from the world except the united yeah. states which
3: is,
1: i know.
2: You know so was bundy a psychopath or a sociopath psychopath oh. Psychopath because he had a relationship with Liz or whatever her name was. But. It was Rocky, and yes, um, and he tried to murder her. Allegedly. Yes, he did. <laughs> but, yes, he did. I
0: would, <laughs> I would say in from my understanding in media and stuff like that, sociopaths are considered worse than psychopaths. But from what you're telling me, it sounds like so. psychopaths are far worse. It sounds like sociopaths so. can
1: have regret and remorse and empathy, whereas psychopaths cannot. Again, if you think back to those examples, like Better saw, Better Call yeah. Saul, yeah, he's.
0: Oh, I'd he's love not to an be okay him.
1: guy, but he's fun to be around.
0: <laughs> he is. I, like I, that's funny that like it kind of shocks me that that's an example of somebody who's a sociopath. Because I watch Better Call Saul, and I'm like, God, that would be fantastic. But you know, you know he's
1: a... lying to you, and you know hey, it's he's... Amy, and you know Sorry. that he's going to take advantage. You know that.
0: Well, I he's guess. Out.
1: He's out for himself, right? But somehow you look the other way because he's entertaining. <laughs>
0: yeah no no 100 percent. yeah i guess but i guess a part of that too is it's phrased as entertainment and i think for you're sure. meant to feel right. empathy for the guy
1: well they do yeah i really but if you think true. about the documentary on the night stalker i don't know if you saw it you wouldn't want to oh, spend yeah. time with him
2: no he's I mean, not he he
1: entertaining
2: he even looked creepy yeah <laughs> like, let he alone everything but else. women at the
0: time found him attractive
2: he is but i mean his crimes were so violent so vicious so like all over the place like they, they were, were just, all over the place and yeah. that's very
3: unusual yeah, like he had no real...
2: No
1: preference. No there preference. were crimes of opportunity, so...
2: Yeah, fair.
0: Well, but. and he was a serial killer. Yeah. Yes. So is there a tendency for serial killers to be psychopaths sociopaths I guess they'd probably be psychopaths right they would be
1: more psychopathic right
0: and would they all be psychopaths no if you were a serial killer oh it wouldn't be you would not No, because you could
1: have somebody who's extremely psychotic the FBI refers to them as disorganized murderers oh yeah like there was one guy that used to he they finally caught him but in his mind it was in the summertime and he went down this street and if the door was unlocked that was a sign he needed to go in and murder them Oh the door my God. was locked that's, like a,
2: that's why i locked my doors and so women are primarily more sociopaths <laughs> yes and that's just because of the socialization so when yes, you talk about socialization what specifically are you talking about
1: manipulation sex appeal coyness dependency some of the oh, negative yeah. stereotypes yeah well based on that would you say that sociopaths are more prevalent in women you mean in our society yes i do especially by for women. how much do you think Probably double. Wow, and I think it's increasing. I do for both.
2: Yeah, and what do you think is increasing? Like just the way we're raising children now, or like social media or media? I don't yeah, think it's question. any
1: one thing. I think yeah. there's a lot of contributing factors, like drug abuse, divorce, yeah. mm-hmm. geographic moves, social media portrayals in in the big films that are popular today. Mm-hmm. I, guess I mean, we're not looking at Laurel and Hardy as our. <laughs> As the people that they should emulate. You know, uh, if you look at some of the games that kids have in video games, it's disturbing. That's mm. true. And a lot of parents don't even know. They don't look into it.
0: Yeah. I, have, I have a theory. It's not, uh, not maybe not a theory, but a belief. I don't know. And when you hear this, you're going to be shocked that I, I don't actually have a degree in anything here. I'm just making this up. But,
2: <laughs> I'm sitting down. For uh, <laughs> yeah. the record, Jen, 90% of what he says is bullshit. So, <laughs> well, that,
0: this, oh, I don't know if this is, to be honest. This is just what I think, Jen. I think that we live in a world that our brains aren't designed for us to cope with. You know, we're running on hundred thousand year old operating systems that <laughs> we need that, an upgrade as well what you're yeah, saying? maybe, maybe. And and I think that as times have changed, you know, we've kind of changed, but change is coming so fast now that every time a generation comes out, the the generation, you know, like Jen's arguably a younger generation than Kylie and I are and it's not
2: arguable, it's fact, but sure.
0: No, you try to pretend you're the same generation as us. I know, But I'm not. <laughs> okay, good. Oh, you admit it. You admit it. Yeah. So she's a millennial. We're yeah. Generation X. My daughter's Generation Z, and it is difficult, even with that narrow age difference. It's different. It's difficult for us to relate to each other. And but we're all having to cope with all the same things. And especially in the past year, uh, we've had to cope with this pandemic. We've had to start having like we're doing right now. We're having, which is great because we can actually do this with you. But instead of talking in person with people, we're doing it through a screen. And I think that that's one of the things that leads to people
2: well, not being able to cope anymore. I mean, because I think even teenagers, even like, I mean, you just don't connect the same way,
1: right? Like it is all computer. It's FaceTime. It's social media. It's well, And not there's
0: stress like, attached to everything and we don't know how yeah. to handle it. So take that, Jen.
1: Well, you know, there's this, there is some evidence coming out that the brains of kids today who are like seven, eight, nine years of age are developing more in, in different ways than they were in previous generations to cope with all of these electronic
0: changes. In a positive way, or in a in a positive way, in a positive way, really, oh, yeah, really? yeah.
1: Good. that they're able to do more in the way of of shifting between two tasks than we were, than I was coming up, because they have multiple screens on, they're watching TV and looking at their phone. There's so much stimulation that they're able to disconnect and re and connect to a different topic. Almost seamlessly, where that's very tough tough to do if you've not been raised with it. Very interesting. The other point to think about, though, is that what other developmental research shows is that older people looking at younger people tend to um, minimize the differences, and younger kids looking at older people tend to maximize the differences, and there's a disconnect that way. I
0: I get that all the time.
1: (laughs) But, you know, when I have traveled internationally to some pretty remote places, I got to say there and then maybe this is my age speaking, but I find it so nice to be unplugged when I've been in places without any electricity for, for days and weeks on end. And you don't have a clue what's going on in the world. And after a while, you don't care. I don't even know the, if I've ever really done that. You need to.
2: <laughs> you absolutely need
3: no, to.
0: Well, yes and no. Yes and no. Because I love camping and I go to a place here in Alberta where there absolutely is no coverage. You know, when I when I go camping with my partner where there's no coverage, I'm like, okay, but at least once a day I have to. That's your anxiety. But if, no, but it's also the hotel and it's, it's re- certain amounts of responsibility. We live lives that you have to be plugged in. To live your life, and if not, you're kind of being negligent. But so do you I have would, to? Lo- no, yeah, yeah, I, I mean, you know, yeah. You say right now, do you have to? But it's July, and the hotel loses power, and you can't get a hold of me, right? And and I'm gone for four days. It's like when that. Well, guy, what's
3: Ron here for?
0: But no, but it's that it. that MLA. Remember, so our we had a scandal over the holidays where <laughs> a bunch of our MLAs left the country when they weren't supposed to. <laughs> and remember that one guy? Like they called everybody and said, "You need to yeah, come home." The one because, guy who
2: disconnected a Mexico. Yeah, the guy who was
0: in Mexico go nobody could get a hold of people were going
2: to send out a search party because they literally couldn't get yeah, a hold of the guy yeah, yeah. They're,
0: they're like maybe he's killed himself at one point right <laughs> crazy and that's the that's the insanity that we get to so as much as i like disconnecting yeah the world is in certain you know i guess of but certain what's occupations, wrong with just saying
3: i'm going to be gone for three days i will be
0: unreachable because i three days i do and i do say that yeah but it's this like thing it's this like it's this neural pathway in your head that says there's there might and it's not even there is there might be an email. I remember once I went camping uh, and I was away from the hotel for three days, just three days, and we hadn't had our brand standards audit yet. And I came back a day early because I couldn't take the tension of potentially an auditor showing up at the hotel and I me mean, not being there. Yeah. Like it's just this, this.
3: But that's you saying you don't
2: trust the rest
3: of
0: No, us. no, no, it's not. It's no. this, And I was trying to tell myself, no, because that's when I'd assume it and everything was fine. And I knew everything. I knew. Consciously, everything was good.
2: So maybe you're not a sociopath. Is that what you're saying?
0: Well, I don't think I am.
2: No, I think. you Okay.
3: Let's are. get into that. What is David? Well, no. Okay. Just okay, before, Jen. Well, before just, you say
0: on. that until 10 minutes ago, you thought I was a psychopath.
2: <laughs> let's get Jen to diagnose. I've changed my diagnosis to sociopath. Um, with
0: okay. All, okay. Well, with all see, my, expertise. here's what we could do. Here's what we could do. The two of you <laughs> yeah. explain to our guest why you think I have some kind of neural, some sort of disorder.
2: Cause I think you don't. I don't. <laughs> <laughs> Because I think you self-admittedly don't have a lot of empathy. I don't. Uh, I disagree. I think that you don't follow some rules with like disregard. You just don't care.
0: I dis- No. Yeah, I disagree with that, but uh, yeah. I can see why you'd say that, yeah.
2: There are some that you just don't care
0: yes, about. Yes, I know what you mean. Yeah,
2: <laughs> you are quick to anger and you do handle a lot of things with aggression to some extent. I do, I do, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um,
0: And as as explained last night, uh, I will to a little story, Jan.
2: You enjoy it. I
0: enjoy anger and I enjoy conflict and sometimes I will do it. Just for shits and gigs.
2: Yeah, just to get a rise out of somebody. Yeah.
0: No, yeah. for the humor of somebody <laughs> yeah. else. Oh, no, 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 no. Sorry. Oh. For the discomfort yes. of a third party, because I think that's funny, right? Yeah. So.
3: See, we're, we're, I disagree with the statement that he doesn't have empathy. I have cried on David's shoulder yeah, at times. And it, although he doesn't show empathy, his words and his actions do.
2: But that doesn't mean he feels it. It just means he can mimic it. No. You, I feel you, like
0: he's
3: very sincere.
0: Are you ready to make a diagnosis, Jan?
1: <laughs> well you've already I'm dis- normal, right? You've already disqualified yourself by the fact that you have so much anxiety about leaving because people with sociopath and psychopath don't have anxiety. See? There
2: you go. I'm normal. So Do you have- <laughs> I wouldn't go that far. <laughs> mm-hmm. I, I
1: wouldn't I say you're say normal either. Like I said <laughs> <laughs>
2: you don't have those two. <laughs> all right borderline personality disorder i didn't, I didn't say, say that,
1: that. Yeah. no i definitely don't
0: i know people who have borderline personalities i think i,
1: I know that. too yeah do you have pets he does oh, a dog I, he hates i
0: hate my dog oh
1: you hate your dog oh that's well, good. i
0: have a dog that i hate and I, and my partner has three cats and i hate them
1: yeah
3: but you love my dog
0: love your dog because i don't have to see it every day and
2: take care of <laughs> no
3: her. you took care of my dog
2: yeah but like a weekend.
0: Yeah, and he learning. he
3: would text me pictures of her and he would say look how much she loves me but i would
0: never harm any of the animals
3: no you wouldn't
0: right yeah that's true but I mean, your hate, dog is still alive i have the worst have dog in the it. world
3: yeah. yeah david's biggest problem is he has a very big ego that gets in the way
1: <laughs> well big egos so can be productive see they can be leaders (laughs) but you know it's it's like a lot of behaviors they're adaptive in this in the context of certain things and not adaptive in others you know it's like my husband and i are very different he's a former military and a lot of the stereotypes that go along with that and so if a crisis happens man can he make decisions and organize and get things under control quick (laughs) but don't ask him to decorate or don't ask him to sit and cry with you. It's not going to happen.
0: <laughs> well, that's true. I mean, we used to uh, until recently, we don't do it anymore because of the pandemic, but we had a really good what would you call it? The personality thing? Oh,
1: yeah. Predictive index was what yeah, we used. Yeah, yeah. it was
0: really good. And that's one thing that really gave me an appreciation for there's all different kinds of people.
1: Right. Yeah. And you need every different kind of person. Yes, agreed. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah.
0: Well, well, not a psychopath. No, no, yeah.
1: no, but I mean... <laughs> You need decisive. Do that. <laughs> you know, if if I left the house decorating up to my husband, it'd all have beige walls and everything would be lined up and boring like an army barrack. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And That's I wouldn't be something. able to live like that. <laughs> but on the other hand, he's is so good with organ. he, he does all the taxes and stuff like that. I don't want to I don't want to think Ugh. about flow charts and tabulations. He's so good with that stuff. And so, you know, it's complimentary. That's one yeah. of the things that works. So, but to to get back to the points that we were going to make, there's about 15 traits, but I did not want to go through all of them. I think that would be long-winded. So what I've tried to do is to distill it down to seven. And the way I thought about doing it would be to describe it. And then I actually have quotes from, and I'm focusing now on psychopaths, not sociopaths. I actually have quotes of things that they have said either from people I've interviewed or people I've seen interviewed or uh, people from the movies that are emulating them that I think highlight that particular trait. Because there's nothing like getting it right from their mouth, you know? Cool. So the first one is um, of the seven is incapable of genuine guilt or remorse or shame. They don't have that. They wear it like a crown. And they actually think that others who do have guilt or shame and conscious as an inferior life
0: form. I somewhat tick that box. Jen's like ticking a box in front of me, but
1: yeah. (laughs) Somewhat. But I'll also challenge
3: that and say when you are challenged, you will get your back up. And then you'll go away and you'll come back with a different perspective. Maybe.
0: But I'm intelligent. <laughs>
2: All right. Let's let Jen talk. Yeah. Again. Okay. Go. Yeah. yeah it's just because
0: Jen was. Check.
2: <laughs> One out of seven.
0: One
1: out, out of seven. Let's keep going. We're yeah. off to a
0: running start. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well,
1: so
3: here's. If
0: you've, li- if you've listened to other podcasts, you know, I have a very low bar or, or high bar, I guess, for shame. I don't really feel shame. No, uh,
1: Although I don't either. I don't
0: really yeah, that's either.
1: True. Yeah. Well, that Carry could be on.
0: self-confidence.
1: There's nothing wrong with that. But some quotes of. Of. Actual psychopaths that demonstrate this is, are these statements. Shame and guilt are forms of self-contempt, which I have no interest in acquiring. If I hurt someone, I'd tell them, don't take it personally because I hurt everyone.
2: <laughs> that's David. I feel like, was that David that said that too? Did you interview him at some point? <laughs> who said that?
1: Uh, I don't have the author here of who said oh, it. It was okay. just various. I went, because I can't divulge the interviews I've had, you know. Oh, of Fair course. Enough. Of Fair course. Enough. Yeah. Uh, it's hard to
0: come back. It's hard to counter that one. If you're talking to somebody, though, you're like, all right. That's right.
1: Yeah, okay. uh, not getting caught in a lie is the same as telling the truth.
0: No. Oh, he does not lie. That's Yeah, I don't lie. No. I don't know how to.
1: I know you want me to admit having guilt because of what I did. But society has this need to persecute people. They get gratification from that. It is what it is.
2: Cancel culture. That's good. Yeah, that's good.
1: (laughs) Society likes to see themselves as honest, but I can tell you they're not. My attorney did things and hid things at trial. He has a shady side, but he doesn't get labeled a psychopath like me. I could tell you stories about prison guards and dirty cops and judges on the take. Another one just said, I feel neutral most of the time. That's getting back to that amygdala thing about the faces, Mm -hmm. you know, in the doctor's Mm -hmm. office. Gotcha. So, getting back, I also told you I was going to talk about John Carl Fry, the one who murdered my husband. And an example of him not demonstrating any guilt or conscience is that after he buried the identifiable body parts of my husband, he went grocery shopping. And then uh, gave himself uh, a reward of going off to a tourist destination for the weekend to celebrate. Wow. Wow. That's how much it bothered him.
0: I remember in your book, there's a part about that where they say... uh Somebody who's one of the police were questioning them. Why did you go grocery shopping? Yeah. We're like, well, because we needed groceries. Yeah. yeah, yeah That right. was crazy. Although
2: I, I do love because it's like when I watch Dateline, it's like that seems to be their alibi almost. So it's like, well, he was totally fine afterwards when he went here or went there, right? And it's like that I, I, people can separate and disassociate enough to, you know,
0: act, Yeah, If we have time, I have to go or through or these trades. That's one thing I want to ask really quickly. If Jan has any input is, is the constant diet that a lot of people are on with – uh true crime, with Dateline, with all the stuff. Is it educating people to be better? No.
1: I don't think so. No, it does not. Oh, it's not? No, it does not. They've looked into that. And they said because there is so much that is omitted and there's so much that is exaggerated, distorted, that they don't actually benefit by it.
0: Oh, that's good. That's good to know.
1: All right. Psychopaths can tell right from wrong. But it's no more important than the difference between picking two shades oh. of gray paint. So they know the difference. They just don't have an emotional no, connection like, to either. No, they don't it's care, it's yeah. like, yeah. It has no meaning to them. Gotcha. Uh, here's another quote Truth is overrated. All people lie. They say it's nice to meet you when they don't believe that. They cheat on taxes. They drive over the speed limit. They have affairs, call in sick, leave work early, and don't admit to damage that they caused another parked car. Lies are mm. like breathing. Everyone does it.
2: I mean, it's- wow, true.
0: I was like, I don't do any of that until you got to the parked car part. And I'm like, all right, <laughs> and, everybody's uh, done that.
1: <laughs> aren't those white lies? <laughs> yeah. Those ones are acceptable. Yeah. Well, they, you'll notice that they frequently like to normalize their behaviors. Like, I'm no different than you. You're no different yeah. than me. Yeah.
0: Gotcha. Yeah, that's true.
1: So that's the guilt and shame piece. Yeah. There, it's just of no relevance to them. It's what's well, the big deal? Truth lies. It's all the same. And if you if you truly believe that, you. Why would you have a conscience or feel guilt? Yeah, that's well, true. That's yeah. true. Yeah. A second way that psychopaths differ is that they are some social chameleons. They're manipulative and they tell you what you want to hear. The way they think is they have a basic filter that they filter information through in terms of people, activities and whatnot as a winner versus loser, powerful versus weak, us versus them or me versus you. They have very black and white thinking, either or. They don't think in terms of shades of gray. And so as a result of there being a social chameleon, their behavior is very context-specific. So how they're going to behave in a court of law is going to be very different, very different than how they might behave on the job or how they behave on the job is going to be very different than how they're going to be with their cronies. Mm -hmm. Mm. This context-dependent behaviors. think about a chameleon, they have a finely tuned radar for vulnerability. I've had uh, interviews with, there was this one guy that I interviewed that was getting out of prison for homicide and I was asking him, I knew he was also narcissistic, so I was trying to appeal to that to pick his brain. And I said, you know, I, I want to know more about this. So I said, tell me if you were on a bus and you were with a bunch of strangers, could you pick out the ones that you could use them or, or harm them? And then he said, absolutely. Within, 100%. within a couple of minutes, I could do that. He said, it's mm-hmm. like a barcode on their forehead. Mm-hmm. Interesting.
0: He should write a book.
1: Did he, yeah. Did he give some detail as to how? Yeah. He said um, the way they look at you, their body posture, the stammering that they might do, their refusal to have boundaries that are appropriate. Like I, I didn't give you permission to sit with me be a boundary setting hmm. thing. And women are not taught that. Women are are taught to be nice. We're not taught to set boundaries. And and uh, he had, you know, he was he murdered some woman and I asked him about it and he said, well, she left a door open. Like
0: Jesus Christ. You
1: know. I mean we're always asking for it, let's be real here. Right, but right. so if you think about their chameleon-like behavior. The way they interact with everybody is from the context of the situation. And we've all done it to some degree. I mean, for example, if you think about your behavior on a first date, if you think about your behavior in a job interview, perhaps a police interrogation, if you've ever been in the hot seat, there's ways that we do impression management. But this is their baseline. This is what they do all the time. So that it's always about what's in this for me and how do I play it? Even if it's a live-in situation, it doesn't so matter. So there's always an angle to it. Yeah, The analogy I've used is that a psychopath is like a flame lily. I do a lot of gardening. A flame lily is this fuchsia-colored plant, and it's very pretty. It looks harmless, but the flame lily is so toxic, it has been used to commit murder. Here's something that someone said, one of the psychopaths said, people tell me I'm a chameleon, but isn't that just another way of saying I'm very adaptive? Interesting. An easy way to read people is to ask them, If they need help, because that tells you right there what they need, how confident they are. That also helps them see you as a decent person.
0: So wait a minute. If somebody asks for help, that means they're not confident or they are confident?
1: You ask them if they need help. And if they say yes, that tells you what their needs are and how confident they are. Oh, gotcha. Gotcha. And that also helps them see you as a decent person. Another person said, I'm like a film director. I enjoy manipulating people's emotions and they willingly comply. I can tell you what you're thinking, but I can't feel what you're feeling.
0: You're making being a psychopath sound like
1: I know there's
2: some of this that I identify with.
0: <laughs> well, and some of it is almost like god, I wish I could do this.
2: Oh, I, I mean, I think everybody's a chameleon to some extent in their relationships, yes. but I I don't do it with an angle in mind, right? Like I'm not
1: trying to get something out of you by, you know, mm. being different. I guess.
0: Yeah, but don't you a little bit wish that you could?
2: Of course.
1: <laughs> there's a there's a pretty old theory in sociology. It's called social exchange theory. I I think it's makes sense and it basically says every relationship there's a reward and a, a payment. You aren't in a relationship hmm. of any kind unless there is that there. You've got to get something out of a relationship if you're in it. Why would you be there? Even if it's a friendship, a, a neighbor, it doesn't matter. That people aren't just doormats, you know? Yeah, they get something that's, from yeah, it. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. That's true. And I and I think that one of the things that keeps me out of a lot of relationships is that I don't need anything.
3: And the one that keeps him in his relationship right
1: now yeah, is, is a play yeah.
0: <laughs> no, better no. delete that part. Yeah, yeah. That, 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 <laughs> People listen to this, Kylie.
1: There was this one man I actually saw his interview on uh, YouTube, and I thought it was very well done. And he said, "I think of relationships as math equations. They're just transactions." Hmm. I mean, that's
2: definitely a cold way to look at it. Like, yeah, it's very cold. cold. Yeah, I mean, yeah. obviously, but yeah.
0: But we all know people who are like that.
2: Do I don't I? know that I do. I don't. I don't. I'd have to really think.
0: Yes, you know somebody
3: like that. Can you? Are you like got Specific. someone in mind? <laughs>
0: Oh, geez, that's got to See, I'm going to have to cut that out.
2: Yeah. Sorry. (laughs) But what was the comment that you said?
1: Sorry.
0: That every... Relationship but, is about getting something from somebody.
1: I mean, uh, yeah, sure. yeah, But it's also about Maybe. give and take in most situations. Yeah. Another one said, I don't have real relationships. It takes effort to appear normal. Some days they'll find out you aren't real anyway. If I do have someone in my life, it's because it's beneficial to me. But even then, it's oh, a wow. lot of work. I rehearse lines. I remind myself to say things like, I love you or thanks. Kind of like wow. reading a big script.
0: That's good advice.
1: No, God, I God. should start
0: rehearsing lines.
1: That was cold. Yeah, that was definitely cold. Yeah. And in Fry's case, he said he pretended to like people who pretended to like him, and he and I, as I described him, I said he when he was speaking about his relationship with my husband who killed. He mm-hmm. flattered him, he exploited him, and then he eliminated him because he oh. was it of up. no value anymore.
2: Yeah, hmm. yeah. I mean, it almost sounded like Al got the same thing out of them. Like oh, he they, was they definitely had a
1: fully ado going on. Yeah.
2: Yeah, like, I mean, he really enjoyed what he got out of Fry, whatever that was, right? So it was definitely, it appeared mutual in the book.
1: So do you only deal with these types of people in your practice? (laughs) Um, No, because psychopaths and sociopaths rarely come. I suppose, yeah. Yeah, who goes to... Well, I worked in a psych hospital, and you'll see them there. Mm, But it's not psychotherapy.
3: Okay, okay, okay.
1: It's commitment. (laughs) 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 All right, number three uh, and number three failure to obey basic laws and rules and little or no fear of being arrested, dying, being exposed to who they are and so on another way of thinking about it is they don't see clouds only silver linings
0: you know it sounded like like all terrible until you said that part they don't see clouds like if you made like a nice little meme or something like that and said, don't see clouds, just see silver linings. There's like 10 million white girls out there that would be like, they would be putting that as, you know, on their phones or something. Yeah. They'd be posting it to their Instagram. Manner. Yeah. Little do they know, it's like.
1: Until you try to apply it and then it kind of falls apart. <laughs> yeah. In the movie, The Old Country for Old Men, No Country for Old Men, Anton Chigurh says as he's about to kill a guy, let me ask you something. If the rule you followed brought you to this of what use was the rule. Hmm. That's how much disdain they have for laws and so on, rules. Another person said not being able to connect with others is an advantage because I stay detached. If I'm detached, I can better see how to use the situation to benefit me. I'm just more aware than most people. It's an advantage. Wow. Worrying and fear belong to the weak. You ever see a lion worry? No.
0: That's another thing that could be on a picture on Instagram. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> totally. Like a yeah. 100%. Yeah.
1: I just, I'm just immune to the socialization process, is what it is. When it comes to Fry, John Fry, he had a long arrest record. He always felt a step ahead of the police. Uh, even after being arrested, while he carried many identifications in his wallet, he told his accomplice, no body, no heat. Even after being incarcerated, he escaped. He was not worried about the additional offense. And after he was convicted for first degree premeditated murder serving a life sentence without a chance of parole, he looked at it as being a star in in prison behind bars because others fell into line. Because if you are wow. serving a life sentence and you have no chance of parole, what's the drawback of killing somebody else? What's the what's another life sentence gonna do?
0: Oh a hundred percent, yeah, yeah. yeah. I think that's why we don't do it in Canada.
1: He could can swagger around and do what he wanted.
0: Yeah, yeah. in Canada, we we had a, a murder, I guess, ten years ago in Edmonton, a mass murder, and the guy who did it was an idiot. Like it's like he almost like he wanted to get caught. It's the hub, uh, the hub. Oh yeah, whatever. Hub. Uh, and uh, he got life uh, with no chance of parole for forty years, and he was in his twenties. So basically, he's going to spend his life in jail, but he has a chance when he's in his sixties to get out of jail. And that was the, the most serious uh, sentence given in Canada since we eliminated the death penalty. And I think that's one of the reasons why in Canada, which, which just sickens us, right? Like it sickens yeah. us that we have people who commit these horrible crimes and generally get between 15 and 25 years yeah, it's guaranteed behind bars. Mm-hmm. But I think that's one of the reasons is because it at least has something they can hold out in front of them. Whether it works or not, I have no idea. Yeah.
1: Do they uh, frequently in Canada have a good time? Uh, I mean, Do they have, offer them reduced sentence for good behavior? Is that like if it says 15 years, does it mean 15 years?
0: Yeah. In in terms of first and second degree murder, the penalty for first degree murder in Canada is no is uh, life imprisonment. No chance of parole for 25 years. And second degree is no chance of parole for 15 years. And yeah, you don't have a chance. Like you have to spend 15 or 25 years because that doesn't mean you're going to get out at that time. That's your first chance to apply for parole. So
2: good behavior will give you a fight for parole at the 15 or at the 25 year mark, but it will not give you less of a sentence. So there's
1: less discretion with judges what they can hand over. That's the law. They're going to get that.
0: I don't think it's like it is in some parts of the United States. I don't think our judges use a lot of discretion. They generally stick to the law, the guidelines. Well, well, the law and, and the guidelines and, and the, the sentencing guidelines mm-hmm. and things like that.
2: Well, and I find it interesting with John Fry because he was so like nobody, no crime, essentially. But then the the house was left with like all And he told of, so many people. Yeah. And he told so many people. It's like this guy obviously wasn't organized. No, like, he was high he was,
1: when he did it too. That, he was high. That
0: doesn't help. And his, did he have a yeah. high IQ or low IQ, would you say? I'd was say
1: slightly above average. So he
0: was eh? smart. Jeez. So he was a smart guy. I mean, he thought things out. But I think I, I don't. I don't think he planned no. to do what he did. It I, sound like it. I and it's fun. It's interesting. And I don't know how if it's uncomfortable for you to talk about any of these kind of things. But it does sound like Al did have a little bit of intent. Didn't yeah. I intent?
2: Uh, well, like it sounded like he knew that something might happen that night.
0: He was trying to because that you talk about that in the book. Yeah. Where it's almost like he's like he said goodbye to you and he apologized and mm-hmm.
2: said he loved you. He came he, back he in. seemed
0: to tie up a few loose ends and he then went yeah. there to
2: say he had no money, right? Yeah. I mean But John
0: sh- Fry didn't. Like John Fry just got, you know, you hear there's no money and he shoved him and things like that. Yeah. But he put things together tripped pretty Tripped over the stool. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, tripped over the stool. Yeah. Yeah. I love that you had a picture of the stool yeah. in, <laughs> in the book. And I was like, tripping over a stool would be frustrating. But for some reason when I saw the picture of the stool, I was like, I can see it. Yeah, he would have been yeah, enraged that, too. Yeah. That fucking stool. Yeah. But, uh, but then he put things together pretty quick after that.
1: Yeah. He was expecting it. I think Fry. Al. Uh,
0: Oh, oh (laughs) well, maybe both.
1: I mean, I, I mean, I think there's a lot of questions I will never have answered completely, but what I think probably happened was that he ran out of, Al ran out of money and went there anyway, thinking he could talk himself out of it or somehow weasel out of it. And, uh pushed him and he overstepped his bounds and he wasn't going to have it. Fry wasn't going to take it.
2: Well, and I guess even like the long side too, is like, even if Al had somehow gotten Fry to say, okay, that's fine. He still had to go home to you and sort of at some point face the reality that was there, right?
1: Uh, You'd think. Yeah. Yeah. So there's a part of me that will, that often wonders, you know, did he intend to have himself killed? I don't know. Mm -hmm. I have no idea. No.
0: All back to the trace. So
1: number yeah. four, history of disrupted relationships. Um, they, it's like if you've been in an elevator with a group of people you do not know, you've, you've gathered in that elevator for a simple purpose, which is to go from one floor to another, and you might converse, you might nod to one another, and then after the door opens and you reach the destination, you disperse without looking back, and that's how they approach relationships. They uh, have said things like, I don't worry people will see through me because that's a given. I exist on the fringe. It's like everyone else is on the other side of this big window pane, and that gives me a chance to observe them, to evaluate them. I use that to outsmart them, you know, teachers and bosses, but only if it's worth my time. We learn to use a mask of likability, but even that's work. We take our cues from others. Without it, things are just flat. We don't have an emotional attachment. We have intentional attachment. Hmm. I have to work at not being blunt, at not being honest. When I'm in a relationship... I I get that. I was going to say, do you work at not being blunt?
0: (laughs) No, but I understand how somebody will have to.
1: When I'm in a relationship, I have to keep a mental checklist of things that I should do, like remind myself to get their opinion on something or make sure that I ask if they're not feeling well, if they seem to be laying down and not looking well. In its work, it's like maintaining a complex building. I need to refer to a mental manual to remember it all. It doesn't come naturally. Growing up, I just assumed no one trusted anyone and that no one really bonded to any person or any animal. It was then a shock to realize that they actually do. I began to see that I had this disconnect, this difference from normal people. I don't tolerate people treating me like I treat them. I'm a hypocrite. <laughs> That's blunt. Fry would admit and then deny being married five times, producing many children. He was that did he
0: actually have children? Yeah, yeah, he had.
1: Oh, definitely, he has a child.
0: I, I, I didn't actually finish the book, yet. Yeah, clearly. Yeah, <laughs> I'm close. I'm close.
1: Yeah, um, he has a son that looks a lot like him that has the same name Oof. that's threatened me for writing the book. Oh, geez. So oh, he's wow. chip off the old blog. Yeah, what you're he has saying. a felony record. Not a nice guy. Aye, aye, aye.
0: And where does he live?
1: Uh, I'll tell you, and we're off recording.
0: Oh, okay. Yeah, fair, fair.
1: <laughs> A last, uh, and another number five, rather, is little to no empathy. Um, they have the empathy of an avalanche. You could think, think of them that way. Uh, they find emotions in others annoying, mysterious, alien, but useful. They're like an interpreter. They can pantomime the words without feeling the emotions. This is what one prisoner said to a guard. Um, my son-in-law is a guard. He said, I don't know what you call this emotion, as he's pointing to a picture of somebody who looks fearful. I don't know what you call this emotion, but it's what they look like just before you stab them.
0: Oh, my God. Oh, Jesus.
1: (laughs) Sometimes I feel bad, but not bad enough to stop doing what I want to do. When someone tells me that they're afraid of failing or afraid of dying or afraid of screwing up, it's sort of like saying they're afraid of being the color blue. It just baffles me. I don't know what they mean.
2: (laughs) Hopefully
1: that guy's in prison. (laughs) Uh, Upon his conviction, Fry said, throughout this trial, I've been portrayed as a cold individual. I have regrets about the way things happened. I regret Dr. Canty and her family. Anytime an individual's memory is sold, it's a shame to humanity. I'm not sure what that means. My main regret is to Dawn Spence. She was subjected to jail and possibly prison. Anyways, I ask for mercy, not for myself, but for Miss Spence. That's just BS, the whole thing. (laughs) (laughs)
2: <laughs> do you think dawn had other issues yes. like was she yes. yeah okay
0: yes. <laughs> yeah th- did she have issues beyond being a drug addict yes and having a bad upbringing
2: yes borderline i think borderline yeah, so you can't oh, yeah. diagnose her but yeah because mm. i mean she did clearly seemed to lack empathy like she seemed to have some of these
1: traits but i i don't know that all
2: of them and granted all i know is from the book i
1: but. don't think she- i ever saw her as a particularly violent person yeah but she was more sociopathic one just seemed to distance maybe like distance lacked empathy like Although, I don't know, maybe she had empathy. What stood out to me was when she knew I existed, she ramped up the money, the demands for money. and Yeah,
0: and I I was going to say, like, and I'm just going to say because I'm the only guy in the room right now. But when you say she wasn't violent or anything like that. Yeah, but in a way, it was... Almost kind of worse what she was doing because she was taking advantage of somebody. But I don't that know how, was how to her say Job,
2: it. I guess. Like, you know uh, what I'm yeah, saying?
0: Well, it, well, yeah, but it was. But you could say it was. It was. You know, everybody in here was kind of doing a version. I mean, she of the was the very job.
2: calculated about it. Yeah, right? but like, there's,
0: there's times in the book and things like that where she was like planning on doing more, and she she knew what she was taking advantage of, and she, knew, she knew what, she was what Fry doing.
2: was doing, and she supported that, like the five thousand dollars. Yeah, and she knew, and she life. and she
0: knew how to take advantage of of Al and stuff mm-hmm. like that. And I always think, like, at least, like, if you punch somebody in the face, that's a very honest way of hurting them. Yeah. Right. I think that there's something that women can do to men, and even the things that women can do to happily married men right where they lead them down the wrong path and i'm not making excuses i like how anything. you and say
2: I'm, women can do to men it's no like no
0: that's what i'm saying that, they're no, like I, a
2: willing participant no, uh, in the, Well, in the they are thing. they are but
0: they know they know <laughs> their like she knew his vulnerabilities she knew all those kinds of things and she didn't care about what it did to him she didn't care about what it did to but Jan. the verse of
2: that is al didn't care mm. i mean al made those choices but consistently I don't know that, to but show up to give money you know what i'm saying like i and i think maybe and i i'm speaking just based on what i read but i mean he obviously wanted to save this girl and had that complex that he was sort of playing into to some extent, But she right?
0: wasn't capable of being saved. She created well, this no, whole but- act where knowing that that's what she was doing, and I don't think that that's.
2: But I don't think he really wanted to save her. He I, just I guess I'm wanted one- to pander to it. I don't know, Jan. You're the expert here.
0: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I guess John hurt him physically, right? Right, and in a very obviously catastrophic way. Yes, but she hurt him. She gave him a thousand cuts in a way that you know she knew what she was doing. What I'm saying is, is I don't think she's any less culpable for what happened than no, he is. I would agree. And in some ways. Like because if there was no dawn, there was no this never would have happened, right?
2: Right. But if Al hadn't made the choices, it never would Fair have enough. happened. Fair right? enough. Fair like, enough. Yeah,
0: absolutely. Fair yeah. enough. Anyways. Sorry.
1: Right. We've taken over. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, the three of them the three of them were in this bizarre intricate dance that they all exploited one another and they all had a role in it and had any one of them pulled out it would have fallen apart
2: but i liked how in the book at the end you sort of relayed all the commonalities between them right
1: like and just sort of yeah cuz i think it's real easy to point to their differences but to me the yeah. it, the, the real intrigue is what how are they alike yeah. Mm-hmm. And there was quite a few similarities, that it, mm-hmm. you know, kind of in there. Mm-hmm. So A sixth uh, similarity is they're impulsive once they run out of patience. They live in a mm-hmm. constant state of unrest, dissatisfaction, and detachment. They're always focused on the horizon for the next urge, the next con, the next victim. As one said, life should not be a journey to the grave with the intention of arriving safely in a pretty well-preserved body. Rather, it should be to skid in sideways in a cloud of smoke, thoroughly used up, worn out, and loudly proclaim, wow, what a ride.
0: Okay, hang on, everybody. (laughs) Number one, I think everybody thinks like that. Number two, (laughs) I think everybody should think like that. Number three, that was Hunter S. Thompson who said that who is my all time favorite writer? And I think I'm like, you've just met I'm like one of his no. acolytes.
2: Stephen
3: King is your all time yeah. favorite writer. No,
0: no, 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 no. No. Hunter S. Thompson hundred percent is. I, I don't want to li- I I don't want to be Stephen King.
2: The jury has concluded you are a psychopath. No,
0: no, 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 no. <laughs> but but honestly, like like this shocks me. Like that, everything that you just described, that seems like something a lot of people would aspire to. Maybe they aren't like that. Like like me. I'm not like that, but I would love to be like that, right? No? No. Nope. Jan, you're the expert. <laughs> <laughs> is that is that really I mean, a not a, a common of a way to look at the
1: world? I, I think it's it's kind of like an urban myth or something. Like, wouldn't that be cool? But in reality, we don't do it. We save for retirement. We punch into clocks. We pay our mortgage. We get cl- plastic surgery. We don't behave like you like this, this description where we're used up and
0: <laughs> where we work. We cater to a certain lifestyle, knowing that almost nobody lives that lifestyle. People aspire to. They it. pay for Hunter, it,
1: temporarily. Hunter
0: S. Thompson killed himself when he was sixty seven, and he was was a great admirer of Ernest Hemingway, who also killed himself. Hunter S. Thompson is the guy who who said that quote that you just said. And when he killed himself, he wrote a note. And it's a famous note. In it, he says, I'm 67, 17 more years than I wanted. Mm. And he was talking about all he ever wanted to be was 50. And in next January, I'm going to turn 50. And it's funny, because I'm starting to kind of identify with what he said, like nobody, people look at their lives, and they don't they nobody fantasizes about being old and i think that that's a little bit of what this really but that's a little bit of what this says is people have this and i'm not saying it's healthy and i'm not saying people do it but i'm thinking a lot of people probably aspire to this idea that you know life should be lived and it's better to burn out what's this saying it's better to burn out than fade away i don't agree like
2: that that is completely the antithesis of what i believe like yeah i don't want to burn out i want to i've got kids and i want to be here for as long as i possibly Mm. can and be present and be a part of their lives and there's no part of me that wants to live hard and burn out
0: quickly. No part of you at all. No.
1: I had a a real dose of reality with this when I was training for my fifth triathlon and I fell and broke my arm, come to find out I had cancer. And it's a cancer that has no cure. And I went through surgery. There was no bone left in my arm, which is... And I'd been going to the gym thinking... Boy, does my arm hurt. I must. I have to do more push-ups because I was getting ready to do this <laughs> triathlon. And I, I was climbing this hill, and it, I tripped and fell. And and uh, so I ended up having to have a titanium rod because there was no bone put in there. And then I went through radiation. Then I went through chemo. And then I went through stem cell transplant. And I'll tell you, when you're immediately looking at not living... When your mortality is facing you, like now, it's amazing how much you do think about not using yourself up and wanting tomorrow and next year and the year after.
2: Mm -hmm. And I say this, and it's something like I, for a long time, like I think you know, you sort of dream of an extraordinary life, right? Like lots of money, fame, fortune, whatever you sort of dream of being extraordinary. It's like once I had kids, I dream about an ordinary life. Like I dream about being able to be present, be alive, you know, have like no ruffles, no feathers in my life. Like I just want a really good ordinary life where I'm there for a long time. Well, this is a great Hmm.
0: question. Actually, for the two of you, not Jen. Well, there's a reason Jen just gave me a dirty look. So Jen, after what you went through, what was your idea then of an ideal life?
1: I can't, a life where I can't wait to get to work and I can't wait to get home from work and and trying to pack Forever? in. Like, and, m- like looking long-term? Yeah. Is that what it looks I'm, like? I mean, I'm going to be 70 in a month or two and I, I'm still oh, working. You don't sound 70. <laughs> yeah, you don't look 70 either. <laughs> and I am still have other goals, you know. I
0: It's those stem cells.
1: It's those Maybe. stem cells. Yeah.
0: So Kylie, because Kylie has, uh, well, I don't know if I should say it. She has health issues. I have
3: kidney disease.
0: Yeah, she has kidney disease. End stage. So what's your idea of a...
3: I want to get to retirement. And I love my mom's life, right? Where she Mm -hmm. spends half a year in Arizona golfing, half a year up
1: here, but also traveling the world. That's... I want to get there. That's on my bucket list is to do every continent. I've got two more to go. (laughs) Yeah. And then I I was ready to go again and then the COVID hit. So I've been not doing. it you're them. all ready
2: for a lot of things until COVID. which which
0: two continents
1: i've never been to antarctica and i've never been to south america i mean oh. who's been to antarctica well if you go to the southern tip of south america then you can just shoot over there so I, I was just that's gonna true. say you yeah. can do both that's what, that's what i want to ha-
0: if you go to antarctica you kind of have to go that's to south right, america. That's right. right. Yeah.
1: and it changes your outlook on life i have that's one of the most healing things i have ever done to get over the murder of my husband was to travel internationally. Because yeah, when I, I went imagine. to places where people had nothing, I'm talking mm-hmm. about no clean water, no paved roads, no plumbing, mm-hmm. no electricity, nothing. Not even basic human rights. Boy, does it put it in perspective. No, I For bet. Sure. I bet. You think mm-hmm. I don't have it so bad? <laughs> really? So David definitely identifies with trait number.
0: That was six, wasn't six. it? Oh, six.
1: Yes. Five? That was number six. And then the last one is psychopaths don't care what other people think unless there is a need for it. So if you have you, the oh geez, per- there's
0: another one. Yeah. So if you <laughs> are Demon's involved, with, seven. <laughs>
1: if you have no influence, uh, you have no sway over their actions, you have to accept the fact that they have this brain difference and that they're like a two-dimensional person. And some of the things that they've said is, I care about the feelings of other people like the IRS cares about the feelings of taxpayers. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Tim was like, yep.
1: <laughs> How can I care about what other people think when they come and go in my life? Mm. One of the things that Fry said in open court was I cut the body up. I'm high. I'm paranoid, scared. Uh, I know that I got to do something because if this body gets found in my house, I'm going back to prison. And uh, somewhere I got the idea that uh, to dissect his body and take it out in pieces. Really nonchalantly he said that.
0: I thought he came up with that really quickly, though, didn't he? Because he...
1: He saw a TV commercial on a Ginsu Knives and it gave him the idea.
0: Oh, Yeah. <laughs> I was
2: going to say, because Dawn was out doing her tricks, like it all seemed to happen very quickly. Yeah, 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 least, that, yeah. Was,
0: that was one of the crazy parts of the book was she went out... She went to work right oh, yeah. after it happened.
1: Yeah. Yeah, he told her to go out and make some money.
0: We hope you're enjoying the podcast. If you are, and if you'd like to support us, there's a few ways you can do just that. First, like and subscribe to us wherever you listen to podcasts. That helps other people see us and hopefully gives us a listen. Second, share your fabulous social media presence with us by liking the Lucent Conversational podcast page on Facebook and liking and sharing some of our posts. We're also on TikTok and Instagram. If you really want to throw money at us, we're on buymeacoffee.com. The easiest way to buy us a drink is to head to loosenconversational.com and click on the coffee cup icon. Thanks for listening, friends, and enjoy the rest of the podcast.
1: So, if you're in a relationship with, unfortunately, somebody who's a sociopath, You shouldn't be. But if you are, I mean, a psychopath, there's like seven different phases. One is the first phase is they call mirroring, where they will be unrelenting. They try to get you to form a quick and deep bond. They are grooming you for that. And they do it in the same way that salesmen will do it. They try to imitate your body language. They might imitate your language. I'm sorry, what salesman?
2: (laughs) Kylie is from sales.
1: So do you think they do this with intention or do you think
2: there's like a, you do so that you think there's very- It's a very clear intention. I'm here. I'm going to reel you in. Yes.
1: Um, They will assess your needs, your fears, espouse similar interests that you have. They may even imitate how you dress. They will attract further interest in that first mirroring phase by trying to look more daring. They might be involved in extreme sports or in the dark web. They might
0: at this point, Carolann. If you're still listening, you could probably just shut the podcast. <laughs> That's off his now. girlfriend. There's, he doesn't know. You to can probably out, just yeah. turn this off <laughs> oh, yeah.
1: Or might do professional modeling on the side, or do something else uh, impressive to you, like buy tickets to go to some exotic place and surprise you with them. So this is the reeling of you in, the the phase one hmm. mirroring. Phase two, I call it the gorilla glue phase. Nothing to do with the hair. <laughs> um, <laughs> I was just going to say, yeah. <laughs> make a make the partner feel like they have their 100 percent full focus and devotion. They try to become their personal hero or heroine. They buy expensive gifts, which could be stolen or imitation. And the reason they're doing all this is because you still have some kind of worth. Something that you have is something they need. The third phase is what I call opening the safe. Um, they will now try to move in and try to elicit secrets that they can use against you in the future. They will try to learn your passwords, useful connections so they could use them. Whether trying to find out what your net worth is, which people or this pets good advice. mean the most to you. <laughs> it's not yet. Assess your weaknesses so they can better manage you. Because now you are putting in their hands. Phase four, they do an about-face. They suddenly shift, become indifferent, unfaithful, critical. They'll Mm. start arguments. The purpose is twofold. One is that they want to have you bond closer to them by trying to patch things up. And second, they enjoy seeing you squirm and beg because it discharges tension that's caused in them from being bored and they start to gaslight i don't know if that's a familiar term for you but the gaslighting is when they alter your reality it comes from an old movie where he's lighting a gaslight
0: when he's doing that's a
2: pretty it's used a lot now yeah
0: Yeah, it's it's funny they're both they're both jen and kylie right now are like that's where you're at in your
2: relationship now (laughs) yes based on the story you told today yeah no 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 no, no. i don't gaslight i don't gaslight but
0: last night I, i i definitely Caused an argument, and then I just kept it going, (laughs) and I kept it going because it was fun.
1: When they gaslight, they may things say things like, "Do you actually believe that? Do you actually believe her?" And no, it didn't happen the way you say it did. What's wrong? Okay, Okay.
0: yeah. To get the person to question. Next phase.
3: That's phase five, <laughs> uh, phase uh, four. I feel like we all do that on some
1: level, though. Gaslighting is intentional, though. Oh, it's intentional. Okay, uh, it's planned out. Yeah, and phase five yeah, yeah. is the calm after the storm. So they um, will try to rebuild it. They a roller coaster starts, um, yeah. and it depends on the usefulness. Again, if, if the person has no value to them, they'll be gone. But if there's still some usefulness to that being there, that will stay. Um, he has none. If the person has none of the relationship value left they will abruptly leave coldly without looking back again like the elevator analogy they just leave phase six is entrapment if there is still value in keeping the other person around it ends in entrapment this could be through impregnating the person they hold a secret over their head like saying I know you faked your transcript to get your job or your sister doesn't know you had an affair with her husband when they were engaged maybe the victim is wealthy or has powerful connections which give continued value but there's there's some kind of stalemate thing going on that keeps them together at that point. And eventually, say phase seven will happen. Uh, Once there's no value, they will leave. And this could happen in a matter of years or it could be really quick in a matter of weeks, depending on what's going on in the relationship. But it's very context dependent and they get something out of it because, again, it's like a chameleon. So So the last thing I wanted to... Did you want to say something, Jen?
2: I just wanted to ask. So, when you're talking about like a psychopath in your clinical opinion, is it all is it all of these things, or is there like you know like if you have six out of seven?
1: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, people can know. have traits of it and not have the full disorder. So, for the full disorder, though, you're kind of hitting on yeah. all all seven mm-hmm. of them. Okay, gotcha. yeah, because actually, when, there's like 15 traits. These, there's a boiler boil them down right. to seven. There's more to it than this.
2: And so, when you look back over your
1: husband Al, like, what do you think he? was or if anything. I think he definitely had a personality disorder. I would see it as more borderline. Gotcha. Um with some narcissism in there and it it was somewhat balanced as long as I you know, was, I mean, I was 18 years younger than him. I wasn't college educated and that yeah, was as a as a you fed the beast. Yeah. But once I, I not only got a PhD, but I went two years beyond that and got a postdoctoral fellowship, which he didn't have. He didn't like that. Yeah. yeah. Cause
2: he was really encouraging and supportive. Yeah. Of
1: getting very, all up very up, up, to to point, point, up to a right? point. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, then he flipped so. on me that way. And I was so surprised cause he'd been my greatest champion. I mean, it had not been for him. I don't think I've ever gone to college really. Nobody ever encouraged me to go.
0: Oh, you would have gone to college. You don't think you would have if it
1: wasn't for him? I didn't know anybody who had been to college.
0: There's no way. There's no way. Look, I think the fact that you went so far along.
1: I loved it because I hated school. When I was in high school, I hated school. Hated it. I wanted to quit.
0: But you liked college when you started going there. I loved it.
1: It was so different. But I didn't know that, you know.
2: Yeah, she wouldn't have gone necessarily. That's interesting. I
1: mean, to me, high school was babysitting. It was like spitwad fights and boring. And (laughs) I'm like, why am I here? I'm not learning anything. Nobody's doing their homework. Nobody's serious about this. Why am I here? This is a waste of my time. Hmm. Well, essentially that he really encouraged you and supported you and sort of that fed his
2: ego, but it was like to a point. And then, you know, like what was the plan? You know, like it was just he really encouraged you to do it up to a point, I guess. Right. right. So Through my game, master's but-
1: degree, he was very encouraging.
2: Yeah, yeah.
0: We, we could do a whole other podcast about that, though, because I think that all relationships, and maybe this is because of something we just talked about. But when you said like a lot of relationships are transactional. Right? right. like, And I I really do think that I think a lot of people go into a relationship needing something mm-hmm. to get something from someone and where relationships become difficult is when, you know, you've each given the other person what they needed. And it's like, okay, now what? Okay, right? but
3: David, you're the first person to say that relationships are about needing to belong.
0: I, I guess the best answer to that would be some people need to belong. And that's something where people will come together. I'm sure there's people who don't. Like just because I have a belief about a relationship, probably there's a huge number of people who'd be like, no, that's crazy. This is what I want or this is what I want. And even in my life, because I was married for, I mean, you guys know this, but Jen does know I was married for 24 years and then my marriage ended and my ex and I remain we're still good friends. We still have a daughter that we raised who's 17. And the interesting thing is my uh, new partner, she struggles with that because I don't think she understands. She she, which i
3: warned you about
0: i don't think she understands how a relationship can cuz my my wife and i were together for almost 30 years in terms of like dating we met in high school and things like that i don't think she understands how somebody can be in your life for that long and then you reach a point where neither one of you is capable of making you happy so i think that even with you and al he didn't handle it well but i think there's something very natural about and and in the book you yourself said that you were preparing to Leave. for for a potential end of the right, relationship cuz it was just right?
1: dead but that
2: wasn't yeah, it
1: was insane. yeah I and, and that
0: sometimes it was. that's how yeah. relationships work, right. right? Like,
1: Well, you know, human beings are together for an extraordinary long time compared to a lot of other animals in the animal that's kingdom. True. And when oh, people yeah, change, yeah. it changes the dynamics. And I changed. Yeah, I wasn't yeah, a sure. needy, a naive person who, yeah. who wanted to be taken care of and who, who needed somebody to show me the ropes. And once that changed and I kind of got traction, he didn't know how to handle it.
0: Do you think the difference in your ages contributed to that? Yeah, I do.
1: What was the difference? Sorry, 18,
0: eighteen years. He was eighteen years older. Yeah, yeah. Looking back, do you have regrets about that? No, no, That's no,
1: good. no. Because in you know the the flip side of it is twofold. One is that there were a lot of good years. Didn't end well, but yeah. there was a lot of good yeah. years. And secondly, had I not met him, I don't know where I would have ended up. No, I yeah. didn't have any bridge to get where I wanted to go. I didn't have anybody in my life who had been to college except my teachers, and I didn't like them because they were in high school and I thought they were a waste of oxygen. <laughs> I didn't <laughs> I didn't have anybody, any role models. My parents didn't encourage me. They were like, well, just do what makes you happy. <laughs> that's all they would. That's the biggest advice they'd give me and do it honestly, but do what makes you happy. And they didn't go to college. Yeah. We were from a very, and it was a different time. This is, you know, back in the 60s, women didn't go to college. I was discouraged from going to college by people. They would say, do you realize you're taking up, especially when I got to the doctoral program, do you realize you're taking up the space of a male student? Are you just looking wow. for a husband? I'm like, "Jeez, no.
0: You're like, no, I've got one. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. <laughs> you're like, <laughs> yeah.
1: fuck you. That's crazy. You know, and they would say women that went, they were going to college or were trying to get their MRS degree. That was the standing joke. And I got tired of that. It was like, can I just be my own person and do this for my own benefit? And that wasn't the conventional way. I mean, even now there's not a lot of women who are in PhD programs. But so back yeah. then I think it was something like five percent Do
0: you know what? Not not to challenge that, every person I know that I can think of that has a PhD is a woman. Mm. I don't I don't know any does Lauren have a PhD? No, Lauren does. Lauren does. Doctor Lauren, Lauren does, Parker, yeah. yeah. So So it's Jamie. I, yeah, so I know two, but I know more women who have PhDs, which is I mean, great, great. Right? It's yeah. great. It's great. Yeah. Well, in the
1: last 10 years, women have surpassed men in terms of enrollment in college, but that's at the bachelor's level. I don't know what it is at the mm-hmm. graduate mm-hmm. level. So the the last thing I was going to talk about how to cope with a sociopath or psychopath if you find yourself involved. Caroline, oh, yeah. Ladies, you should in.
0: hear this. Caroline, yeah. Yeah. Carol Ann, Callie. <laughs>
1: One is to tread lightly and reduce your expectations for fidelity, honesty, sincerity, empathy, and commitment by a lot. I've oh done that. Goodness. I've done that. Yeah. <laughs> Second, take it slow. Pay attention to your gut instincts. Get input from your friends, your family, and former partners of theirs. What do they say about what's their credit score? What's their legal history? What's their GPA, their work hmm. history, number of marriages? What kind of job do they do? Get data. Yeah. Yeah. Makes sense. Number three, examine. This is a very important point. I can't wait, emphasize. Sorry, it. sorry, wait,
0: minute. just to back it up really quick, credit score. Credit score. Absolutely, you gotta know what you're signing up for. That's right. You would, you...
1: credit scores have a lot to do with keeping promises.
0: No, yes. I know, I know, but I, I don't know what I would I do if somebody asked me. What my date credit you score. Ask
1: like I asked? I asked well, when my daughter third. started dating her now <laughs> yeah. fiance. I said, "Find out his credit score," and she did, At and, and it was it was good, you know. And I'm like, "Well, that's good." <laughs> okay, but what at point? Were they like just dating? Like yep. at what point? They've oh, wow. only been dating. They've only been out about three times. I'm with you, Jan. I think credit score is very important. It does. It times. says a lot about your ability yeah. to not be impulsive. Yeah.
0: Make oh, purchases you it can't is. afford. Pay your bills on time. No, now, I'm like, now I'm like super self-conscious about mine. Yeah. though. I got to like ask somebody, is this good? Is this not good? Is it? <laughs> what yeah. is it, David? It's about seven thirty, seven forty. That's good. That's all
2: right. that's oh, good. through
0: a divorce. That's good. <laughs> Is it? Okay, good. Yeah. <laughs> screw you, Jen, and you're
2: meh. I'm in the 800s, bitch.
0: Yeah, well, well, I was better before the divorce. All right?
2: I'm just kidding. Carry on, Jen.
0: And and, and sorry, I should, just, I should just clarify. When I say since the divorce, I don't mean because the divorce negatively impacted my credit score. Or that score. he's actually
2: had a divorce. I meant
0: because, well, I'm almost divorced. I meant because since I got divorced, I didn't understand all the stuff you had to do to maintain a credit score. Gotcha. And bad things happened. And I was like, oh, so I had to catch up. Okay. I'm not blaming the divorce for Disclaimer. It. All right. Mm-hmm.
1: Carry on, Jen. The third factor, which I think is extremely important and one that everybody needs to write down is this. Examine your own level of truth and trust because that's your default. What I mean by that is everybody has a different level of trust. Everybody has a different level of, of belief. And We tend to project that onto other people. So if you are, for example, an overly trusting person, you're going to see other people as very trustworthy, everybody, because you're trustworthy. And vice versa, if you're suspicious, you're tend to going to look at other people as they're not trustworthy. So one way to attract a psychopath is to overestimate their trustworthiness and that's more likely to happen in somebody who has a, a level of truth that's excessive, that they just think everything's fine. That that that's kind of like getting back to that what that guy told me about the women on the bus is that they they are just overly trusting and they don't have boundaries and they let people manipulate them. Yeah.
2: yeah. Was it more work for you to forgive yourself for trusting? Yes. Yeah, because I think that was like one of my biggest aha moments last year is that I have more, just more anxiety, like more issues around the fact that I trusted somebody, right? And so it's like I hold myself more accountable for being in that situation than I do the person who hurt me. And so I find that very interesting that like, I just I'm so much harder on
1: myself and trusting someone. Well, I was hard on myself, not only just in general, but I just, I, here I was putting myself out there as an expert in human behavior, (laughs) yeah uh, a fourth part of this is to accept that they cannot change their behavior any more than they can change their height because remember they're brain damaged they're different their <laughs> brains are different their amygdala and so on is different uh fifth they Jen, will i'm
0: not a psychopath we've i'm not about saying that. you are when
1: somebody is shrinking no but jen's like, like oh there's
0: another one i'm like we've <laughs> talked about that i'm not Your six
2: concussions you've had a lot of brain damage
0: No, but you have to be born.
2: Actually,
1: that's a good question.
0: And I I don't mean to cut you off there. Can a traumatic brain injury turn you into a psychopath? No. Yeah, there you go, Jen.
1: No. (laughs) They accept that they cannot change. Oh, we went through that. They will be in your life as long as it benefits them. Because remember, it's like a math problem. So to get them out of your life, you have to have no value to them. Sixth is have and keep clear boundaries. Like the possession of your keys, your passwords, your credit cards, social security numbers, not to disclose something that could be used against you, never allow them to use the network of your friends for their benefit. But then, of course, how are you going to have a relationship if you're doing all that? It's kind of impossible. Eight, pay attention to their language. Their language is different. They um, Psychopaths, if you analyze their monologues or their dialogues, they will often overuse words like I, me, my, mine. And they often use an excessive number of past tense words like was, were, did. Oh, really?
0: That's interesting. They
1: also are incongruent. They may be smiling while they're angry. They use big hand gestures. They make many more references to basic needs like sleep food, and money instead of things like animals, health problems, and family. They will use more extreme adjectives, such as furious or exhausted or loser, instead of annoyed, fatigued, or struggling.
0: Kylie might be a psychopath. Why? Because you use big hand gestures and you, you do all that stuff.
1: Yeah, she didn't hit any of the other things, though. Okay, well, carry on. Josh. And they don't mention feeling fearful or worried and anxious a lot of the time or at any other time. And last, pay attention to what your body tells you. Do you when you're around them? Do you have uh, increased heart rate? Hairs stand up on the back of your neck? Do you feel like you like you have to be hyper alert? Do you have difficulty sleeping? If those things are happening, you should probably run. <laughs>
2: So interesting because wow. women, we just sort of shove that down. So your intuition,
1: part, right? in other words. Very much so. In fact, there's an excellent book, if you've not heard of it, it's called The Gift of Fear. It's a wonderful book and it talks, the whole book is about that. It's written by Gavin de Becker who's not a behaviorist. He's a security expert and he was raised in a very abusive home. And so at a very early, he was very protective of his younger sister. So at a very early age, he was very good at predicting violence. And that's what he now does for a living is he runs a security firm for predicting violence. And he talks a lot about psychopaths and your intuition and knowing when to trust it.
0: How prevalent are psychopaths?
1: 1% of the population.
0: One so percent,
2: not very Sociopaths To make me, that's up 1% a lot. As well, yeah, but
0: but, but when Isn't you think one percent, a, a lot. I was going to say, if it you think one like percent, that's that's like how many people are know, like but, like traumatically affected by COVID, and look what's happened.
2: I guess, but out of ten people, you might run into one, right? Like, I but mean,
0: in but in a hotel this size, when we're uh, normally up and running, that's one or two.
1: Yeah, okay. right. It's so if you think good. every, yeah, that's a yeah. lot. Yeah,
0: every organization this size has one or two. So this is actually something that is pretty common, mm-hmm.
1: right? Yes, everybody knows has been an, has been involved nice. with someone like this. It could be the person who sold them something. It could be their person, they, their co-worker. It could be someone they're engaged to, a neighbor.
0: You have a stat in your book, and I can't remember what the exact number is, and you were Jen will correct me, how many <laughs> people you have interacted with who've murdered somebody?
1: Oh, no, I said the average person walks by a murderer about 36 times in their lifetime.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah that's, that's crazy. crazy. Like You don't think about this stuff, yeah, right? Until you, yeah, Yeah.
1: Well, you do after... If it's Yeah, you. after it's I
0: touched guess you, touched you so yeah, closely, yeah, yeah. 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 I didn't yeah. used to. We're not all you, Jan. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> all right. Well, I guess last words, anybody, before we wrap up? Because we're at a. Uh,
3: I feel like we're just scratching the surface here. Oh, 100%. Here, but, uh, 100%. Um, thanks for your time. You're I welcome. would say come on up to Edmonton. <laughs> We've got a place for you to stay.
0: We'll oh, stay where you are. Never been there. We
2: can patch you in. Yeah.
0: No, you don't want to come there. No, <laughs> no, no. I, I hate to. We'll turn meet you in back, Arizona. Right? Yeah, we yeah. want
2: to meet them. No, we
3: can you know, meet I'd love Arizona. to meet you. I'd
0: love to meet her. It, but if you ever decide to come to Canada, specifically Alberta, we have this area called the Canadian Rocky Mountains. It's yeah. absolutely beautiful. <laughs> or we'll meet you We'll in meet you there.
1: Yeah. Is that it's where like they have see. the train rides? through there
0: we do have train rides yeah, True, yeah, Rocky. yeah. yeah Rocky. i love Actually, travel we, by
1: train any yeah. last words for you there
2: david
0: no i know that there's going to be a lot of criticism of me when this is over and <laughs> i just want to point out that at the early on in the podcast it was uh i share no traits with us well i think
2: i think jane jan has you know reiterated that you're not a psychopath so there yeah 100 percent. Yeah. but i wouldn't yeah. say 100 but at least
0: yeah i'm not i'm not. clearly <laughs> not I, I'm a, I think i'm a pretty well-adjusted guy <laughs> you jen
2: me yeah
0: no no, no. what are oh. your last words uh
2: no just i appreciate your time and yeah that's all yeah jen was this, was yeah. this
0: was fantastic this is this is hands down so far i think the best podcast we've done.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, it's you. it's fascinating
3: and yeah. like yeah. i said yeah. I feel like here's we're just how,
0: here's how amazing test. you were jen here's how amazing this was what was the discussion we had two hours ago Kylie? With kylie? was never
2: gonna join a podcast <laughs> yeah
0: because kylie was on our first two podcasts and she we said are you gonna come back on again she's like now. no i'm never gonna be on your <laughs> podcast again we sat down and if you remember she was just in here to like visit with us while you were doing <laughs> you, you came on early kylie put on the headphones just to, just to just to. oh no you had the headphones on before because we no, were i put it. them on oh you put when them on jen came on you yeah. spent the first five minutes for some reason talking on the floor because you didn't realize everything was adjustable <laughs> and here it is an hour uh, over an hour and a half later and she's still here and contributing
2: yeah, there you go. i am fascinated by the talk
0: yeah <laughs> yeah this is fantastic mm-hmm. this is fantastic uh-huh. so Your book. Let's plug the book.
1: A Life Divided. A Life Divided. A Life Divided. And today it came out on audiobook. I'm so excited. That is exciting. You know how mad
0: I am that I... (laughs) You know what I'm going to do? When it came out on audiobook, what does it come out on? Does it all come out on Audible or is it?
1: Yeah, it's on Amazon. Amazon. Yeah.
0: So you know what I'm going to do? Because full disclosure, I don't like reading. I... What? I think that there's this thing where you either read books or you listen to books. I prefer reading. Yeah, and I prefer listening. You and don't get the been... photographs
1: that way, but yeah, that's
2: some true. people. I've got, I've got but the, but on the other I hand, i have had a picture of the stool, David, if you read the audiobook. That's true. That's <laughs> yeah. true.
0: That's true. But I have to because I still have. And it's funny because you guys are talking like I have lots of books left to read. I don't have that you much have left like to read. You a
2: really good part of the book that you're missing. It's a, lo-
1: it's a long book.
2: I know. Yeah. No, I didn't find it that long.
0: Yeah, it's not that bad. But I, so I'm going to l- listen to the rest of it on Audible. There you go. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> at the gym. Yeah.
2: Five-star review. Five-star review. Thank you. Yeah, yeah thank absolutely. You.
0: Absolutely. Thank but God. absolutely. It, it is. I'll be honest. Like when I dated a woman who had a PhD and she had a book and I read it and... <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> horrible. It was horrible. So when you, you I, we saw you had a book, I was like, oh, let's get the book. When we'll well, I got it.
2: it in the mail, it's like heavy and big. I'm like, oh, for fuck's sake! Yeah. Oh, it was delightful. <laughs> oh,
0: not just delightful. I don't know if delightfuls word, but oh my god! The, like everybody listening get the book or listen to the audiobook just for the part where you identify the body.
2: No, the whole thing was good.
0: And, no, the whole thing was yeah. good. But the part where you identify the body, I can't, I can't wait to read it. Like I couldn't, I was beside myself. I <laughs> yeah. was beside my, you did such a good job. And the part where you detail seeing the injuries and things like that, I have no idea how you did that. Yeah. Yeah, and, and
3: just to add to that, both Jen and David are, are fairly well-read people. So when they give this kind of, yeah. uh, um, accolades to it yeah. it's it's a pretty it, true the book is, is worth story. reading
0: just for that because I, as I was reading it I thought that if you were Somebody who had been like a little distance from it, great. But the fact that you were his wife and you were so emotionally invested in it and you were still able to write it, that was amazing. It was amazing stuff. It's
1: one of those things you don't forget, you know? <laughs>
0: oh, yeah. Yeah. But I've, there, I've had a lot of things as happen in my life that I can't forget. Mm-hmm. I, could never, I could never put pen to paper and come up with that.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, thank you. Well, thank you.
0: Thank you. And thanks for everybody for listening. Jen actually left because she had to go to the bathroom. <laughs>
1: So
0: thank you very much for this time. This was absolutely fantastic. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I I think you're the most interesting person we've talked to. And uh, this was great.
1: Thank you for having me. Thanks for keeping it loose with us. Please like, and subscribe to our podcast. Check out new episodes weekly and read our blog on loose and com. Finally, like, and follow us on Facebook. I would love to have something from you in my inbox.